0: Something beautiful. I love that old song. He wrapped them all up in the rags of my life. You ever been there? Of course you have. Of course you have. When your dreams were shattered and you made a mess of it. Anybody ever made a mess of life? Of course you have. He said, I wrapped them all up in the rags of my life and laid them at the cross Charles Spurgeon one time was ministering on the, the hardships of life and when you're caught in the storm you ever been in the storm is this mag church or somebody else you're here he said I've learned to kiss the waves that throw me against the rock of ages that's quite a powerful statement. Amen. They headed out. Thank you, worship team. That's a mature place in the Lord when you learn to kiss the waves. Do you know that? Because he takes it all. We're gonna to turn to first John, but do you know when you live for Him? See, there's no promise. It's a mistaken thought that that when you live for the Lord that you don't have any more storms, any more problems, any more heartache. That's just not true. It's not true. In fact, he promises you the opposite, that you will have storms and you will have trials. But when you love him, he makes all things work together for good. To those that love the Lord or the called according to His purpose, He'll make the stormy seas worth it. First John, chapter two. Let's we'll begin reading at verse one, where we were last week, and read probably down through verse nine tonight. Knowing that we won't get that far. My little children, these things I write you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation of our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. That's where we left off last week. Now by this we know that we know him. If. There's that word. If it's your first time here, we, find, we tend to break things through down on the way by. You should read slowly and deliberately. The words matter. Sometimes I read for volume, for for uh, quantity, but you should always read for quality. God had rather you have understanding of a word, revelation on a word, than to read chapters and know and not know anything about what you just read. Read for understanding. Break the sentences down, who they're speaking to and why. And hereby we do know that you, we, we know him, the him being Jesus. If, how many of you know, as always, when any time if is in a sentence in the word of God, it is the biggest word in the sentence. The smallest, let, that two little two letters is the most important word in the sentence. Without exception. If, how many know that's a qualifier? if and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments now this word commandments here is not law like you might be thinking it's not like when moses went to the mountaintop and came back with the ten commandments it's not mosaic law he's speaking of it's when he talks about commandments, he's talking about his precepts and his, and, his, and they are in fact commands but they're not in the sense of the law. They, they are ways of life and how to live for him and, and the instruction that came from Jesus Christ because he paid the price. He just told you that it was Jesus the righteous who was the propitiation for our sin and that we, you, you, we, by this we know For now by this, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him. Now, hold on a minute. Y'all have already read ahead of it because now my screen goes further than your screen. (laughs) If you ask most people, do you know Jesus? Well, they say, I go church. Are you a Christian? Well, I believe in God. What do you know? him? he says, now John was the the, the disciple of the apostle of love. And the one that always addressed you as my little children. The one that wanted you to know Jesus the way he he knew Jesus. And yet John is fixing to put the smack down on what he has to say to you. He who says, verse 4, I know him. I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Now, what John begins to describe here is a situation where you should know that if you're a believer, if you're saved, if you, are, if you, are, if you, if you know Jesus, if you, if you belong to God, he changes your life. Listen to me, he changes your life. We're not going to have time. to. We won't get past the first few verses of this chapter, much less to the end of it, where he begins to describe, as he did in his gospel, that your life bears fruit. Your life bears fruit. Every one of us. Every one of us have a life that bears some sort of fruit. And there has always been a notion among, uh, among uh, the population that believes that, that believing in God or believing in Jesus even is, is the whole and the sum of being a, believer, of being a Christian. Now, it, certainly you have to be a believer, but the Bible tells you that even the devils believe and tremble, and they're certainly not saved devils. It's the kind of belief that, when he's talking about being a believer, he's talking about, a, it's talking about faith in action. It's talking about that, that you've been brought to a saving knowledge and you've been brought to a place where you believe on him, but it's active, it's a faith that is active. And when it's an active faith, it changes you. So there's always been a misconception in the church world among the, the majority, really, that, that that's enough. That I, that, but John goes into telling you, if you don't do what Jesus says, then you're kidding yourself. He's not talking about perfection. He's talking about when you're actively trying to live for God. He changes your life. I use the word trying. That's a, a little interesting scenario there to say try. All, if you don't have him, all the trying and, that you can muster will not save you. Oh, man, I can already take my first trail right here. Part of what the discouragement is for people trying to live for him is they're trying to live for him by trying. Have you ever had had something going on in your life that was maybe habitual or addictive or whatever, and you well, I smoked for 10 years, I'll just tell you. When I was 18, I'm not talking about, we talked about that before, if I th- believe that was a sin. Yeah, smoking is a sin. I didn't say it would send you to hell. It is a sin because it's missing the mark. It's not God's best for you. It's, it's something that kills, steals, and destroys. I remember I told you when they asked me the first question when I was pastoring in Desark, the first question during the Q&A before the election was, there had been evidently a, a feud among people about a, a, a smoker and she popped up and she said pastor she was against me by the way just so you know you can always tell she says pastor and there had been a know how many of you know church people feud don't feud here because pastor won't put up with it but how many of you know the church people feud, feud, <laughs> you know the feud? there had been a little feud and she says, Pastor, do you believe that you can go to heaven smoking? I said, yes, ma'am, I do, probably quicker. <laughs> I want her that day over to, my, to me because she was the smoker. <laughs> <laughs> why am I talking about smoking because I want you I, I, I smoked for 10 years and if you've ever smoked for any length of time and you were addicted or whatever, whatever it was that had you hooked I, I've, I already feel stumps in the room I've already hit a hard place even with people that know me some of you is brand new some of you don't know me at all but even with people that know me, I've already hit a hard place. And I want you to know something, Any, that anything that takes control of your life that is, not a, a, that is not Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit is a problem. So I'm talking about smoking right now. You can, put, you can fill in the blank. And we're not talking about people are just straight on their way to hell because they have a struggle in their life. That's not where we're going, okay? So come on up with me. I'm talking about trying to live for God by trying. You cannot live for God by trying. Now when you get saved and you have a genuine faith and the Holy Spirit begins to work in your life and you begin to walk in the word, you will want to, therefore you will try to please God. But you don't, you don't please God and you don't live for God because of you trying. I tried to quit smoking many times. And my, all of my trying couldn't get it done. If your trying could deliver you from sin and problems, then Jesus didn't have to die on the cross. You didn't need him. All the trying that you can muster will not cause you to live right. Now, who will, when you get saved and you're and you're walking in the power of heaven, see what grace does, let's talk about. You know what grace does? Some of you do, because I've told you. You know what grace does? You'll say, well, yeah, it gives me unmerited favor. But what does that even mean? What does that even mean? You didn't deserve it. That's unmerited. Favor, well, what's that? Look it up. It'll tell you that favor is grace. And you'll look up grace, and and grace, it'll say, it'll tell you that grace is favor. And then you look up favor, and it'll tell you favor is grace. And then you look up grace, and it'll tell you grace is favor. And you think, what in the world? So, what is it? It's favor. Well, what's that? Well, it's grace. Well, what's that? Well, it's favor. Well, what does that mean? I read it when, when, when the prophet Zechariah was writing. He, he said, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel. Remember that it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And he says, Zerubbabel before you, this mountain shall become a plain. He says, how? He says, by crying, grace, grace unto it. How in the world is a mountain going to become a plain because of grace? You've, you've faced a mountain many times. And you couldn't get over it, you couldn't get around it, you couldn't go through it, you couldn't, go, you couldn't, you couldn't get past it. And it took grace. See, when I found out that grace was favor, I didn't deserve it, but it was just given to me. That's its favor. It's undeserved, but it's favor. I started thinking about how in the world that means. Some of you heard me say it before. Some of you hadn't, and everybody needs it. What does that mean? If I ask, I, I called Matt this morning and said, or yesterday morning. I said, "Hey, I need a favor. Got a big pot, got a big mud hole out there that the trash truck created. Yeah." All about them. I didn't have time to be taking care of hauling in rock and digging out holes and filling up and, and getting solid. I had other things to do. I said, Matt, can you do something for me? Yes. That's a, do you all know what a favor is? When have you ever asked for a favor? I'll tell you when you asked for a favor. You asked for a favor when you didn't have the know-how to do something or the time to do something or the ability to do something. And you said, hey, I need a favor. Well, grace is God's, when you didn't deserve it, he done in you and through you and by you what you can, didn't have the ability to do for yourself. It was, it's literally the power of God that you didn't deserve coming into you and through you and giving you the ability, ability means power, to do in your life what you could never do before. Because you did not have the ability to save yourself. You did not have you do not have the ability to break the chains and the bondages of sin off of your life, no matter how big or how small. You do not have the ability to stop, to break the chains of whatever it is that binds you by trying. It's when you surrender to God, make Jesus your Lord and your Savior. Everybody wants a Savior. Not many people want a the Lord. They don't want to go to hell, but they don't want nobody telling them how to live. Oh, because oh, oh. that's what it means. That's that's oh, <laughs> that's Michelle's favorite right there. She loves when I said oh. Can't tell you why. Have you ever noticed everybody wants a savior? eh, I'll take a poll. Anybody want to go to hell? I've never had any struggle over the savior part. Some people don't even want a savior. But I've never had any trouble with the savior part. Most of us have struggled with the Lord part. You see, but but this Jesus whom you crucified, Peter said, has been made both Lord and Savior. They started calling him Lord. That, well, you know, that, that implies some authority over your life. He expects a change. It's a change of heart, a change of direction. John says, my little children, by this we will know that we know him. He, you notice he says we. We. Everybody's into pronouns these days. Stick with the pronouns here. John says, we, by this, we." He, he wouldn't, he wouldn't t- telling the, the little children something that he wouldn't involve in. He says, "By this, we will know that we know him. We keep his commandments. I know, and then he says, if we keep his commandments, he who says, I know him. Now, there's no we there. If you say, I know him, sometimes it's easy to talk about we. Do you ever go to mom? Do you ever have a sibling? My mom's here tonight. you ever have a sibling, and you know, when when, when, when y'all done some things and everything, it was much easier to go to mom and say, hey, we That's how people come and say we and I'm always thinking we? Who's we? You got a mouse in your pocket? Because I don't see anybody else. We nothing. Who's we? You ever said that? Who's we? (laughs) Well, John said, well, this we know that we know him. And he he says, if we keep his commandments, he said, I know. Oh, it got personal. He who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Can I, can I help you with what that means? Literally go, if you, you know what? I, I, you should be a Berean. I don't care what I preach or how much you think I know this book or how much I study and how much you trust me. You should be a Berean. What's a Berean? That, that would come from, from Acts. It was a group of people. that It says that, every, that what, what is taught, that they would go back and search the scripture and see whether it be true. You should search the scripture, and see whether it be true. It says, it says if, if you say, I know him, and don't keep his commandments, and he says, I'm a liar, and the truth is not in him, and that truth is the, is, the, is, is the proper sense of the truth, when Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. If, he said, if you say that you're his and you don't keep his, that you know him and you don't keep his commandments, that he's not in you. Oh That John, he wasn't, that didn't sound very Christ-like. He's pretty judgy. Oh, y'all yeah, know. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. i looked that up again today because I'm always talking about in him. Paul said it 170 times about being in him or in Christ. It is a position that comes with salvation and lordship that you are placed in Him. What does in Him mean? Well, what does in anything mean? If I get if I get baptized next Sunday and I get in the tank, I'm in the water. So I'm in the water. So where's my when I'm saved, where am I at? I'm in Christ. listen to verse six pretty important big words how many you know i like to let the word speak for itself there's plenty in the book just to let the book speak for itself yeah people always making stuff up goofy stuff but there's plenty there's plenty to preach that's in the book without making it up He who says he abides in him. Ought himself also to walk just as he walked. He's laying some stuff down. It's not a casual salvation. Jesus gets it all. Oh, it's quiet. Why is it so quiet? Jesus gets it all. It says if if he who says he abides in him, it just said, he just told you, by this we will know that we are in him. And so let me help you. It says, so if we're in him, he who abides in him, That means that they take up residence and stay. You can come by and visit me anytime you want to, but please call first for your sake and mine. You can come by and visit, but it's a whole other thing if you come into my house and thinking you're going to abide. I'm trying to get you to understand what the scripture says. I'm trying to get you to understand. You can come over and you can be in my house. It's a whole other thing to come over and be in my house and think you're going to abide. Think you're going to stay. Are you hearing me? He says, by this we know that we are in him. He who says he is, he who says he abides in him. He who says that he's in him to stay. He who says that he has made a decision that, that I am in him and he is in me and we are in it together from now on ought himself also to walk just as he walked. By the way, Jesus is the model. He is, he is our demonstration What, do you know what God done for us when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us? When he became the propitiation for our sin, your sin, my sin, that means he became the satisfying sacrifice that satisfied the anger of God. Do you realize what he done? First of all, he gave you the way in. And the power to stay. And his life demonstrated in every way what we are supposed to be. Well, I'm not perfect. No, you're not. But he was, and you're in him. That's why I need to be in him so I can be like him. I told you last week, you're justified. You see, you got, you, you're living, he's Lord of your life, you're justified. You're being sanctified. I don't know what's funny, but it ain't funny no more. I don't do that here. We're in the middle of the word. Everybody got it. I am in him, justified. I'm being sanctified. I've declared holy and I'm becoming holy as I live for him because I'm in him. I'm not yet glorified. I'm not perfect but we will be. And now we walk in him. When the word became flesh, Jesus, let me help somebody, everything Jesus done on earth, everything, look at me, everything Jesus done on earth, he done as a man. Empowered, By the spirit of God. In obedience to his father. Let me say it again. See when he came. When he came and walked on earth. He didn't come and walk as God. He set aside the expression of his deity. Not the possession of his deity. He was God. He set aside the expression of his deity. He came. The word became flesh. And dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And when he came, he done everything on earth as a man, flesh and blood. Empowered by the Spirit of God in obedience to his Father. He is the example of how to live for God. Everything we do when we're in him, we do empowered by the Spirit, that's why he said you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. When we live, for when he's Lord, we walk on this earth empowered by the Spirit of God to live, a, to live as in obedience to the Father. You did not have the ability to live in obedience to the Father when you were in sin, no matter how hard you might try. But when we get saved, see, the, 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 the seeker-sensitive movement of the church world has cheapened the gospel to the point that salvation is not a, that just really no longer required. But when you get saved, everything changes. And you're born as a, as, let me help somebody. You're born as, as when you're born again, Jesus said to Nicodemus, what did he say? You must be born again. He said, what then? Shall I enter again into my mother's womb? Nicodemus said, Jesus said, no, whatever's born of flesh is flesh. Whatever's born of the spirit is spirit. But you're a baby in Christ Jesus. You're an infant. You can be 80 years old, 90 years old, born again, you're an infant in Christ Jesus. And you've got maturity to do. Just like when you're, I got twin grandbabies coming soon. Does anybody know that we've got three grandsons coming? Have we mentioned that? The first set is twin boys, identical. Did anybody know that? Now, if you missed it, there it is. When they're born, they will be as who, they will be as Isaiah in Israel is there ever going to be? That's who they are. When they're born, when I hold them the very first time, no, right after Shai Joey, me. <laughs> when I hold them the very first time, when I hold them the first time, guess what? They're going to be, their DNA and their, who they are it's going to be just as who they are when they're when they're two little identical nuggets as when they're full-grown men. That's it. Are you with me? When you're born again, that's what you are. They're not going to. They're not. They're not going to be born with teeth and walking and knowing how to do trigonometry. They're half Asian, so it'll take them till at least four years old to figure out that. <laughs> <laughs> that was wrong, I shouldn't have said it. shy, as yeah, most, most of you know, some of you don't, our daughter is, is Korean. And when she was in high school, She would say something. She says, you know, I'm not. She said, it must be being raised by white people because I'm not as good at math as I ought to be. (laughs) And I said, shy. That's a little stereotypical, don't you think? She said, well, you'd think you could have caught some of the good stereotype. Point being, point being, some of you needed to. A little relief there point being whether they're itty-bitty or they're fully mature they are who they are and that's how it is when you're in Christ when you're when you're born again you're brand new you're you're certainly not anywhere close to maturity and perfection in the Christ and you're never and you're and as long as we're in flesh we're never going to be to reach perfection but Paul says we're going to strive for it and Jesus is our model And so you're gonna have a desire to live for him and John is flat out telling you here in this first epistle if you don't if you're not living for him if you're not obeying his commandments if you're not walking as if you're not walking after his model then you're a liar you're not you're not uh, you're not saved on your way to heaven born again believer just because you make some proclamation and you sign the church roll and you get dunked in their tank I got news for a lot of people. It's going to upset some theology. But if you go in that tank a wet center you're going to, or dry center, you're going to come out of wet center. No matter how long they hold you down. Well, I don't know. If you hold them down long enough, they might pray through. He said, brethren, I do not write a new commandment to you. But an old commandment, which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from from the beginning and a new commandment I write to you which is true in him, there it is again, and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He's telling you when you become a believer, see how many of you know you you were of the kingdom of darkness? When you got saved, the Bible says that you were translated from the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light. When you walk in darkness, you are lost. When John 3, 16, everybody knows John 6, 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish have everlasting life. And then verse 17, we go for, for he came out into the world to condemn the world, but through him that the world might be saved. Then he goes on talking about the reason that he didn't come in to condemn the world is because the world was already condemned. Then he says he comes in bringing light. And he says And men preferred the darkness he the light, remember, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. He says the men preferred the darkness rather than Jesus could. You know what Jesus could have said? And done no harm. He was the living word. He couldn't possibly do any harm to the word because it's the living word. He said, He said, Men prefer the darkness rather than me. Because, I mean, he is the light. He said, men prefer the darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. And in the New Commandment, I write to you this thing which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away. When you get saved and you're in him and you're beginning to live for him and you made him Lord of your life, the darkness is passing away. And the true light is already shining. For he who says he's in the light, oh, he's just getting right down to it. Man, there's some things, if he hadn't put it in there, it would have helped us all. But he put it in there. What I say helps us all, it would help us all just keep on doing what we're doing and not having any guilt over it or condemnation. He who says he's in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. For he he who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness, and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Mm -mm -mm. We got to camp a little bit. What's the old command? I don't bring you any new commandment. In, in, In Matthew's gospel, In verse in chapter 22, verse 34, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced, he had when he, when the Pharisees heard that he, Jesus, had silenced the Pharisees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked a question, testing Jesus and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law. And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is likened to the first. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. John's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 34. Jesus, see, there was the old commandment. that John talked about. I, don't, I didn't bring anything new, but the old commandment. He said, now let's talk about the new commandment. Jesus just gave one new commandment. Yeah? Here's the new commandment. Verse 13, chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment, written in red in your Bible. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. By the way, the, command, the, the commission was to go and make disciples of all men, followers. By this, everybody, the world, will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. That's not easy. Unsaved, it's absolutely impossible. All the trying in the world will not do it. And many, saved, sanctified, full of the Holy Ghost, and doing the best that you can possibly muster to abide in Him, is pretty tough to love. Some people are really easy to love. Y'all quiet? Some people are easy to love. Some people are like trying to snuggle up to a porcupine. They bristle and throw a thousand quills in you. Then act like you're the problem. Y'all are acting like you've never met that person. I met her before. I saw a lady one time that a whole church rallied and bought her a car because she didn't have any transportation and she threw a fit on the parking lot because it wouldn't get the gas mileage that it needed and it was the wrong color. <laughs> if I'm lying, I'm dying. God struck me dead right here. She was a foot. And I can't afford the gas for that, and who would want a blue car? Somebody a foot. I wasn't involved in that, or I'd have have said all right, and I'd have got the keys and drove off. I'd have left her standing there, and y'all know I would have. (laughs) You know I'd have done it. And for nothing else, so she could come to repentance real quick. Some people are hard to love, and you can't do it without Jesus. Hello? Hello? But I want, things, I, I want to get some things real straight at 8.02 because we've got a little while to go. There's something that you need to hear. And this is hard. This is hard. I want you to know something. This is hard. Because I've came to a place, I've been living for the Lord long enough and walking in this word long enough to know that you have to forgive. We've had a conversation tonight. All that, that's one of the biggest, hardest things to do. It's hard to walk in forgiveness all the time. There's nothing easy about it. Oh, some people are pretty easy to forgive. But there's some people it's really hard. I've seen people walk out the. I know. Let me think of some extreme examples that happen to be true. I know uh, Mike and Merrick Old Cheshire, who are missionaries to Kenya. They've lived in a tent on the savannah for 40 years. Literally. One tent has a cement floor. The kitchen tent, it's fancy. The other one's a two-man bash pro shop tent. Lived there for 40 years, given giving their, giving their lives for the gospel of Christ. When they were young, she looked out the tent one day and her son was running across in front of her eyes on fire from head to toe because he was burning trash and an aerosol bottle blew up because he, he was playing in it and it exploded and burned him severely that's bad when you're living for the Lord that's bad for anybody but that was nobody's fault it was a tragic accident but the same family had a, a, a young daughter as they're giving their life for the, the mission in Kenya that was kidnapped raped beaten nearly to death and left for dead in a park That's a tough day when you're giving your life in service for the kingdom. Bad things happen to everybody. But to be able to forgive. And it's one thing for mom and dad to forgive. but They offer to come home and and she's not willing to leave because this is where we're called. This young lady. And now today... Some 30 years later, mom and dad are still there, their children are still there, and their grandchildren are there because they forgive and give their life and for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ with no hardness of heart. Only God can do that. That's beyond beyond human capability. I don't care who you are. Some things are tough. But he said, by this you'll know. they'll know you're my disciples because you love. It is hard for me to see the people that hate the country and the people that have a demonic agenda and the people that are trying to destroy our way of life. I'm I'm, I'm just being real for a second here, okay? Get really real. It's hard to see them as a lost soul that needs Jesus. It's hard to look at people sometimes and say, He died for them the same as He died for me. It's real easy to not like them at all and to hate what they're doing and to even hate them for what they've done. Let's get real. You may you you may be to such a place of, but I struggle with it. He who is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light. And there is no cause for stumbling in him. Stumbling, by the way, means offense. It's the same word. It's translated stumbling or offense. Jesus is the, is, is the stumbling block, or he is the rock of offense. It's the same word. So let me read it again. He who, says he, he who says in verse 9, he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. That literally would mean that you're deceived. That if you say you're in the light and you hate your brother that you're in darkness, it means you're deceived. You've deceived yourself. He who loves his brother abides, lives in, dwells in, stays in. Hello? The light. And there is no cause for a stumbling, no cause for offense in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Did you read all that? Did you hear all that? Let me go back through it, I want you to see some things. But he who hates his brother is in darkness. Doesn't say he's headed towards darkness. Or some darkness has entered in. It doesn't say that. He who hates his brother is in darkness. You're there. And walks in darkness. Walks in darkness. When the Bible talks about walks in. See the just shall live by faith. The just shall walk by faith. Anytime the Bible is talking about walking in. It is talking about how you live your everyday life. It's talking about, you're, when, you're, when you're going about, you're, it's talking about literally the way you live. He who, he who said, they said you're in darkness and you're walking in darkness and you don't know where you're going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Do you realize, I, we could spend more time than we're going to tonight. Do you realize the, 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 the weight of what John has said. Let me tell you something. its I've said it many times before, but it is in the context of the word of God tonight. It is impossible. Impossible, somebody say impossible. More people than that say impossible. It is impossible to love God and to hate people. It is impossible, according to scripture, to love God and to hate people. That covers a lot of territory. And if anything was ever apropos to where we are today as a nation and as a people, if there's anything that you can pack up and take home with you tonight and chew on and think about and ponder and get in the word over and maybe even repent over is it is impossible to love God and hate people. That takes care of exes. We all know where we're at. Everybody's exes is in Texas. That was bad. That's why some of you move into Nashville. No. I, I mean, that can't be any more practical than this. Oh, I'm not, You talk, Neil, you talk about some brass tacks. We're down to them. Because I think we would all think it would be okay to just absolutely despise our daughter's ex-husband. I need to go over to this side. It it, it has to be okay to hate that hag that my son used to be married to. Somebody just fall out right now. just go ahead and do it. Because y'all know y'all wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I know as well as y'all. And, and I'm telling you, you can, it, it, it must be over to to hate your first wife, second wife, third wife, and fourth wife. I know a few that's had six and seven. And they can hate all seven of them at the same time. hey. hey, hey. Mm -hmm. you can't hate people and love God it's impossible it's impossible it's impossible oh for a hundred years Pentecostal people thought if you were divorced it was an unpardonable sin they preferred murder over divorce That's true, that's true, that's ignorance, but it's true. They think, uh, y'all ain't even hearing me. I'm telling you, I don't care who you are or what they've done, you don't have any right to hate them. I said that kind of quiet, so I'll say it real loud. I don't care who you are or what they've done. You don't have any right to hate them. It says that you're not in him if you hate them. It doesn't mean they got to come to your party. Oh, I'm just letting that stew a minute. Because right now what's going on in your head is you're thinking everybody that you can't stand. And I'm telling you, I would hate to go to hell over an ex-wife or six. Y'all think it's it is funny, but it's true. You know why I may say you know why I say it that way? So you could laugh while your belly hurt and thought about it a minute, and realize that it's absolutely, positively scripture that you can you don't get to hate them. I just read it to you, broke it down, brought you to right here. You know what? It would cure the rioting on the streets. It would cure the race wars. It would cure the 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 uh, social class clashes. It would cure the war between the haves and the have-nots. Y'all ain't hearing me. This is better preaching than you believe. And it's absolutely true. And it challenges me and it should challenge you. I got news for you. It's going to be an interesting day about who's there when we get there. There's whole, there's whole groups of Christianity that thinks that they're going to be the only one there. Can I just get down to that? I mean, there's, we got whole groups of people that... They, I'm not just thinking and I have an attitude that they're the only one there. I know there's whole, there's whole denominations, if you will, that, that literally teach that we're it. Got we have to be quiet down the hall so we don't disturb them if they're there y'all ain't listening There are gonna be a whole lot of people there that we didn't think would make it Somebody's of you's gonna if you could if there was any disappointment in heaven then there won't be you'd be disappointed because they made it now doesn't that sound ridiculous that's how we think you can't hate them and go to heaven the Bible tells you so. Well, I got saved when I was six. I don't care if you got saved 47 times between when you were six and when you were seven. You can't l- love God and hate people. The Bible says so. It says, if you, cannot be for- if you cannot forgive your brother, then your father, which is in heaven, cannot forgive you. That's as plain as it gets. That messes with doctrine I'm always messing with doctrine. You ever notice that? It's really not me that messes with doctrine, denominational doctrine. It's not me that does it. It's the scripture. The Bible is right. Boy, I got to get some people trained because about half of this congregation should have said, and somebody's wrong. (laughs) Thank you back there, Brandon. I heard you. I said the Bible is right. Yeah. I told you once. I tell you again. You can't get to heaven while you're sipping gin. I say the Bible is right. (laughs) (laughs) Told you once. I told you twice. Can't get to heaven with a girlfriend and a wife. I said the Bible is right. G.E. Patterson sings it most famously. <laughs> and somebody's wrong. You'll remember that. The Bible's right. And somebody's wrong. And the ones that are wrong are the ones that are teaching doctrine that don't line up with the Bible. They're wrong. You're going to be surprised who's going to be there and who's not. You're going to be surprised. We had generations of people I was reading a, a, an account by a pretty well-known Bible teacher today that grew up in an environment where they would send a quarter million dollars a year back in the 60s for missions in Africa but a black face wouldn't allow it on the property of their church that's not that far off and I promise you it ain't that far distant from right here and I got news for you. They ain't gonna be there, but for the grace of God. There better be some repentant hearts because you can't hate people and love God. Period. There is one, There are two kinds of people, just two. You say, well, male and female. Well, the, while that is true, <laughs> Let me be on record as saying that is true. But Paul wrote to the Galatian church that there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor free now, female, bond nor free, that we're all one in Christ Jesus. You got to do better than that. I got a few more minutes. I'm, just gonna, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the line. I might as well lay it on it. There's two kinds of people in this world, just two. Saved. Lost. That's it. That's it. Room's kind of echoey, yeah. That's it, you can't love God and hate people. And that ain't always easy. At all. Oh, some people are trying to mask it. Well, I love them. I have nothing against them, but I don't want to marrying my daughter. I, I, I mean, if I'm going to go all the way with it, I'm going to go all the way with it. That needed some time. Somebody's struggling with that right in your head, right now. I know. I'm not guessing. Repent. Make it right. Repent make it right because people are people in the story you want to come argue about it you better come loaded with some scripture and you don't have any you don't have any you can't dispute it you're going to have to come to terms with I don't care who you are you're going to have to come to terms with if you've got a problem with people that you've got some things to make right end of story Doesn't matter if you're old or you're young doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor it doesn't it doesn't matter it doesn't matter your ethnicity your nationality none of those things matter it doesn't change the fact that if you don't if you've got a problem with people, if you hate people. Right. You can't love God and hate people at the same time. Right. I read something in this book about that he tore down the middle wall of separation so that there could be one new man. Well, I'm just on it I see a creation in this book that all had the same bloodline that contaminated by the same sin of the same man that was Adam we didn't come from multiple sources we came from one and man was made in God's image so somehow, some way, that his likeness and his image includes white folks, brown folks, yellow folks, red folks, all of them, every single one of them, made in his likeness and in his image. Every one of them. By this, they shall know, they shall know that you're my disciple. that you love. I mean, I'll get, I, I just keep digging, Andrea. Separate but equal died with Jim Crow. Hello? Some folks are going to be disappointed if they make it. If they're going to be disappointed, they didn't make it because there'll be no disappointment there. But I read over the Revelation where John, same John, said, I saw them worshiping together around the throne, every kindred, every nation, every tribe, and every tongue." All of them, together, the same, without distinction, without difference. It's high time. I've I've just gotten pretty big on truth. This is it. My culture doesn't determine truth. Somebody hear me tonight, how you was raised does not determine truth. What your mama was, what your papa was, what they taught, what they believed is irrelevant. Mamaw and papa didn't die for you. So they don't get to set the rules. I'm challenged. Y'all don't mind it when I challenge Democrats and Republicans, but whenever I get right down to challenging white people <laughs> and the like, I ain't going to pretend that this stuff doesn't exist across every line. You can reject it, but if you reject it, you're rejecting the Word of God. You can say, oh, I don't know about all that. I explained it very clearly. And I read it to you word for word. It's in your Bible the same way. And it's not just in one place. It's throughout the whole thing. You cannot love God and hate people. Stand with me all over this place. By this they shall know that that you're my disciples. Or by, by this they shall know that you follow me. Let's just pray together all over this place. Those of you that stretch your hands toward heaven. That's the universal sign of surrender and just lord i i just put it all before you tonight i surrender i surrender my will i surrender my way i surrender my thinking i surrender my past i surrender and i just give it all to you i give you my stinking thinking lord i turn from my wicked ways lord i ask you to forgive me tonight for where I fall short. And Lord, help me to love as you love. Let me Help me to see as you see. Help me to walk as you walked. Lord, help me. Help me walk in truth. Help me walk in light. Lord, help me. And Lord, forgive me of every time that I have failed. And Lord, let open my eyes that I can see. see. See, uh, the reason that I couldn't see is because I was blinded by darkness. But now I see the light so I can see clearly. Help me. Use us as a people. I pray in Jesus name. Amen. I'm going to tell you as we're about to go, Heather can verify. When we were praying, when we were new, we were transitioning. You've heard part of this story before. We began to seek God about where we were going next because I did not want to be a preacher that was moving every three years. And I wanted to be where I was meant to be. I wanted to be where we could go and, 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 and be effective in the kingdom of God. Now, when we pastored the, the two churches before, they were, they were seasons in our life that were necessary and they were right, we didn't miss God. That wasn't what it was about. But when we knew that it was time to be planted, when we prayed about where to be and we came to Mauriceville, the things, we, the things we prayed for, we prayed for longevity. We wanted to go to a place where we could go and we could stay, longevity. We wanted a, we wanted a place that had no ceiling. If you don't know what that means, when I pastored a, mile, a half mile before the pavement end, I filled up a church, but that was about all the people around. Hit the ceiling of population. When I I was pastoring out in the middle of the rice fields, we filled up a church, but we hit a ceiling. We prayed for a place with no ceiling. When we come here, and I looked up and around here in this wide spot in the road, I thought, this doesn't look like it. (laughs) But then I was here Monday morning early and saw the traffic line up for as far as the eye can see going and coming to work, and I realized that there was a large population here. We prayed for longevity. We prayed for a place with no ceiling. And we prayed for a place where we where God could build a church that looked like heaven. We prayed that specifically. Is that right? Those three things. Longevity, no ceiling, a place where God can build a church that looked like heaven. And what does that mean? The church that looks like heaven, it says it had every kindred, every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. I didn't want to go to a place where I had to pastor a bunch of white people. And that was it. Still today in America, the most segregated hour in the country is 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, and it ought not be. It ought not be. It ought not be. God's people are going to spend eternity together. They ought to worship together. Amen? And when you preach truth, that can happen. I still maintain I went further than I planned to go tonight, deeper than I thought I would get tonight. But it's a it's a message of the hour because it's where we're at. God's moving at Mag. And He's moving for everybody. Everybody. We used to sing it, but we didn't mean it. Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world. Red, brown, yellow, black, and white. Yeah. We sung it, but we didn't mean it. We're going to be a people that means it. And love God and love people. Hey, you want to know how to build a big church? I'll tell you how to build a big church. I got the secret. Everybody needs the church growth guru to speak. Love God. Love people. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Love God. Love people. Amen? Shake somebody's hand. Hug somebody's neck. Tell them that you love them.